Hi there, I'm Janine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, I'm speaking with author Emma Brocks about her book, An Excellent Choice, Panic and Joy on My Solo Path to Motherhood. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, author Emma Brocks. Good morning, Emma. Hi. I really enjoyed your book. I, there were so many great things about it. Give me a little backstory for people that don't know about you. Uh, sure. So I'm a British journalist living in New York. Uh, I emigrated from London when I was 31. And uh, in keeping rather shamefully with every women's magazine article I'd ever read on the subject, when I hit 30. I had a complete freak out about what to do about having kids. I was kind of single, uh, not in a relationship that would have lent itself to having children easily. It was a same-sex relationship. Um, We didn't want kids together, but I wanted a baby. (laughs) So uh, uh, I had uh, a lot of very tough decisions to make in what felt to me like a short short space of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it took me another sort of 18 months of figuring out what to do to start fertility treatment and the book describes how you make the decisions you're called upon to make when you try to have a kid on your own uh, and ultimately what happened when I did that which was I inadvertently ended up with twins I'm just going to ruin the end <laughs> I know <laughs> I was like right whoa there. twins yeah <laughs> yeah that was not planned one of the things I love about you is your sense of humor have you always had this you know just ability to laugh at life or to just see the humorous side? Because I would imagine my, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. And I think Mm. having a sense of humor is one of your tools in life to stay sane. It's the only way to get through it. I mean, and the thing is, life is funny. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. absurd. It's tragic, but it's, 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 you know, it's comic. Um, I, I, as I was, as I was going through the process of trying to get pregnant and pick the sperm donor and interview OBGYNs, um, none of which came naturally to me because in Britain you get no choice. Uh, you get you get a free health service, but you don't get to make any choices. <laughs> so coming oh, to America gosh. for a British person and being exposed to the healthcare marketplace, just those words make me incredibly anxious. <laughs> it's like oh yes, I, I was I was, I found it hilarious. I mean, I found it deeply um, uh, unnerving, but but also very funny. Um, so uh, I, it, it's a coping me- mechanism, but it's also just a, a, a way that I, that I see the world. And I don't know how anyone could go through this experience and not find it at some level hilarious to be making a decision about, as you are, you know, as you're told by the, the sperm banks, 50% of your child's DNA based on whether the guy mm. likes Tita- the movie Titanic or not. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what it was coming down to. I can't pick a guy whose favorite movie is Titanic. Come on. Um, that's crazy. It is. It's crazy, and, and 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 you get to the point with this kind of thing where you where you understand the decision at some level to be meaningless because you're never going to know what the alternative was. Um, so then you just turn around and look at your own thought process processes and realize that you are in a in a in, a, in an absurd situation and you might as well enjoy it at yes, some level. Absolutely. The dating world before you decided you wanted to date women. I mean, did you find dating? kind of comical or deep down inside you thought I'm just not into these guys yeah actually I did lose my sense of humor that's the one place ah. where I started to <laughs> like dating in New York uh I don't know how it is on the west coast but I it, oh gosh when I when I arrived to, like in London it's really easy mm-hmm. because everybody just gets drunk like you go out you get <laughs> face you cop off with someone end of there's not like a it's, it's, again it's the marketplace in New York it all seems practically 
uh, professionalize the dating market, you know, and yes. everybody's dating multiple people. And, and like the, the, the very phrase, are we exclusive, does not exist in britain <laughs> like no like really um, no one is organ no, no one is organized organized enough to have a schedule like that um <laughs> so so i came here nobody gets drunk um when they're dating you know that everyone's looking at their watch and mm-hmm. i found myself even at the age of 32 33 being auditioned by men not it, it never felt uh, like a date it was like i was being it was like i was being auditioned for a part in their future oh my like god like i'd won first prize i'd won first prize to be given 45 minutes of their Tuesday evening to sell myself to them as a possible wife and after a couple of years of this I was like I think I'm actually going to be a lesbian now yes <laughs> because I'll say really sucks. you know what you, you you could have a future in comedy writing I feel like this is an SNL sketch <laughs> oh yeah right right that's what it felt like um so the women you know uh dating women was a was a was a much um a much more cheerful prospect but it you know it, it, it landed me with the baby problem yes and what was that whole process like? I mean, you know, you decided you wanted to, you know, have a baby. What was your partner thinking? What was your girlfriend thinking? Um, we, it's funny. We we lived separately, mm-hmm. and we had, in some ways, very separate lives. And we just instinctively knew, I think, from the get go, that it was not a conventional relationship that would hit all those points along yes. the on, along the road to marriage and children it just mm-hmm. never felt that that's what it was and even now i don't really have the language to explain what it is um and i and i'm i, I think that's okay <laughs> I, I, you know i'm a writer so mm-hmm. not not having the language to describe something feels like an epic fail right but <laughs> i i think I, I think acting outside of convention has been the best possible thing for us we support each other mm-hmm. you know we live next door to each other we have our separate children that that each of us has full, you know, moral, legal, emotional, financial um, uh, prominence over. Yes. Yeah, um, which, which psychologically is huge. It, it, it creates a kind of power balance between us mm-hmm. because no one is fighting for influence over the other one's, you know, most intimate life. It, it's... Um, Right. I mean, that probably says something about our personalities that might not be flattering. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but um, it it works, and it's and it's an alternative to the conventional route, which to me seemed seemed fraught with danger and a very high possibility of you know all all, all the things that can happen to a relationship when it when it um, disintegrates and you have children involved. So this felt like, although it's unconventional it felt like the most stable choice for me and my kids, which is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the constant and I'm the only constant. Yes, which um, is important, very important. Yes, yeah. yes. Which isn't to say that we don't lean on each other and derive an awful lot from those relationships. Right. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not a conventional union. So, like I said, my show is called Get the Funk Out. How do you take care of yourself? How do you stay sane? You, you know, you have two kids, you're doing it solo, how, how do you take care of yourself? Well, I uh, I hate to say this, but uh, it feels like such a terrible confession in America. Okay. Uh, I I nap in the afternoon. That's <laughs> like, good. I take nap. That's I know, but it's I like, like that. Um, it's the only way. So I think you know. I think I would find this incredibly difficult to pull off if I was a corporate lawyer, for example, right. and I had to shower in the morning and yeah. be somewhere. <laughs> um, 
I'm a, I'm a rider, so, you know, I don't wash. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I cut out all non-essential cleaning. Um, <laughs> my, my apartment is, 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 uh, is not clean. Um, and, uh, and I have, and I, you know, I buy a lot of help. Yes. I, um, I have a very good babysitter. That's the only way you can do it, really. Oh, yes. You need um, a babysitter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I rely on, I mean, the, 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 the amazing thing about, about this experience is that it has forced me to rely on my friends and neighbors in a way that has kind of pushed me out mm-hmm. into, into a, a new understanding of what community is and can be uh, that feels kind of radical to me. I mean, like, I was never the person befriending her neighbors. And oh, now really? my neighbors are incredibly important to me because um, they love my kids. And, you know, we see them in the hallways every day. And it's, um, and it, and it's, it's, an, it's an extension of family. That's wonderful. I grew up in New York. I love New York. I think mm. um, sometimes people that don't understand the city don't realize that people can be very friendly. Really friendly and incredibly kind and generous. Um, right. I- I've never experienced generosity like I have in New York. Um, it's just a myth, this idea that it's, a, that it's a tough city to break into. I think socially it's an, it's an incredibly warm and generous place. Um, and, you know, that's borne out by all the people that I've met here and, and, and the way that they've responded to me and my kids. And, of course, it's an incredibly tolerant and liberal place. Oh, yes. I'm, my, my kids don't know, really don't know anyone who has a conventional mum and a dad. I mean, maybe one family. Yeah. So, as yet, they haven't noticed that there's anything odd about us. You know, I always hear the, the um, description of, well, what's worse, a, a terrible relationship between a heterosexual couple or um, two women or two men, you know? I know what I yeah. would choose. I mean, you just want loving, a loving parent or loving two parents, doesn't matter if they're same sex or otherwise, whatever. No, exactly. I mean, and, and you know, all the studies bear this out. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that the only way to raise successful and happy children is in a mom and pop right. outfit. It just, it's just, and, 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 that's, and that extends to single mothers by choice. It's... Um, you know, actually, in some ways, for sad reasons, because you know, single mothers by choice tend, by demographic, to be older and more financially stable. And the and the one of the you know, as as we know, one of the biggest indicators of uh, a child's likelihood to, to be successful later in life is is family income. It's yeah, it's been a one, it's been a wonderful thing. It really has. It's been. I was so anxious and you know, uh, indecisive for years on this. And now that I've done it, I've become like a terrible evangelist telling, telling everyone else like the best kept secret in the world is like single motherhood. <laughs> That's so funny. Become a lesbian and have twins. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You'll stay thin apart from anything else. I Christ. bet. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Tell me about the process of writing this book. I mean, did you have a clear vision of, you know, how you want it to flow or did it evolve? Like, you know, you're living the research project. Well, it's funny. I, I I knew that I wanted it to reflect my experience rather than a data-driven book because that's mm-hmm. not that's not the book that I would have bought. And quite rarely, I think, for a writer, I felt that I had had an experience that hadn't properly been nailed yet out there. Like increasing numbers of my friends seemed to be doing this thing that I was doing and talking about this thing, and I and I didn't see I didn't see it out there in a, in in a book form. So I was. I was greedy to have first bite at this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and for once, that, that made me feel emboldened to write uh, a memoir. I mean, I, 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 I'm generally quite embarrassed to, to write about myself. It feels like, a, it feels like cheating somehow because I'm a journalist. You know, we're, uh, we're, one is raised in Britain as a journalist to believe that using the first person is a bit pathetic. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
So mm-hmm. especially the woman somehow, like a woman's, you know, women's stories, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a sort of disgraced genre. Um, but I felt bold in this, in this case because I thought this was important to do for me and for my kids to get, to get the story out there as I believed it um, to, to be. Uh, and, and also to counter, because even though one is insulated from criticism in New York to, to a great degree, I, I knew that there, you know, a lot of people would disparage what I've done and judge it. And right. judge us, and judge my kids, and, and make them feel that this was not um, adequate. That this was a second, this was a second best kind of family, and I didn't ever feel that to be the case. So I thought for them, I have to get this down, and it has to be funny. It has to be joyful, yes, because that that's what that's what it was, you know. I think it's wonderful, and like I said earlier, having a sense of humor and being able to write about that and be honest and be real is the best kind of writing. Yeah, I hope. Well, thank you. That's kind of you to say. That was my. That was my only. Um, that 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 was the only thing that I went went into it wanting to do, um, is to make it is to make it joyful. Um, and I, you know, I, I also used it as a as a. You know, I sat in a chair for two years thinking about this so that I would have my story straight when the when my girls get old enough to ask me what happened. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a way of rehe- of rehearsing all those answers that I'm going to have to give them. I'll just hand them the book now. We don't even have to have the conversation. Um, so. <laughs> I, I was intrigued by uh, your background in writing. You worked at The Guardian. Uh, you had all these interesting different assignments you would do. And then um, a phrase ran through your head. The meaning of life is three phone calls away. Uh, tell me about that. Yes. It was, I was 19 and at college. And it was, the, uh, it was a big wig from News International, News Corp, the Murdoch company, who came to give a talk about working in journalism. And it was just a phrase that she tossed off in the course of this speech. The, the meaning of life is three phone calls away. And she said that is what all journalists understand. Um, that, that basically, if you know who to call, you can get your way out of or into any situation. Um, and she's not, right. she's not wrong. In it. And, it, and it was just something that lodged in my brain and always made me feel that there were there was a way around first of all systems mm-hmm. and 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 I guess in in the case of having the kids like the conventional way of doing things there's always a back door somehow there's a way like if, yes. if you find yourself stuck if you just think about who is it who who do I need to call um it that, I mean obviously there are limits to this of philosophy course. <laughs> um but as a kind of as a kind of basic premise for for um solving problems it's always guided me through mm mm-hmm. You know what I wanted to ask you is, you know, a lot of times we're influenced by people's opinions, family, friends. When you mm. decided to have a baby, uh, were you were you impacted by the opinions of, let's say, family? Well, it's funny that because actually what most of us tend to be um, influenced by is what we imagine to be the opinions of our friends and family. Half ah. the time we don't even give them ch- the chance to... To, to voice them because we're so terrified that it'll be negative. And of we, course. You know, I would, have all, I would have these long debates in my head with um, imagine, imagined detractors. Uh, and, of course, when it came to it, everybody in my life was completely supportive. But it didn't matter because I was, I was absolutely convinced that what I was doing would be considered weird and that I would be judged. Um, and, and that probably cost me a year of dithering. Um, and the thing is, so my friends and family were incredibly supportive. But at the same time, I was aware that in the wider world, you know, the Daily Mail in Britain had a front page that was, you know, screaming headline denouncing the NHS for funding, as they called it, a generation of fatherless families. Uh, <laughs> because uh, yeah. single women and lesbians can now get 
IVF on the state in the UK, and that suspended a lot of the right wing press. Um, and I was also aware that that, and this is the thing, this is the thing that shoved me forward in the end. I was aware that on this particular issue of babies, women just cannot win. They're like, there's no, there's no decision that you can make that will not be judged somewhere by someone as selfish. So, if we live in a world where women who don't have children are considered selfish, but women who have children at 17 are considered selfish, and women who have children at 48 are considered selfish, and women who work and hire a nanny are considered selfish, and women who don't work and apply to the state for aid are considered selfish, you might as well just do what you want. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to be damned. Yes. Anyway. What are some things you would like readers to take away from your book? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I suppose that one of the one of the things I would want them to take away is that is that based on the thing I just said, we should all give each other a break because yes. I think women are as bad at policing other women's behaviour as men are, if not worse. Um, and I mean, it's because of misogyny, of course. It's, yes. it's it's because we continue to be valued on the basis of our personal relationships and whether we have children or not. And so those choices become much more valuable to us because we understand that, we're, that, that, that those are units of currency in the marketplace. Even if we pretend not to be active in that marketplace, we right. all are, really. Oh, yeah. So why don't we just cut each other some slack, you know? And, and uh, because, you know, when I was feeling down during this process, I, I saw myself do it. The first thing I did was reach for another woman mm-hmm. to despise i would think oh god using a sperm donor to have a kid is really weird but at least it's not an egg donor because that's really weird uh, you know so uh-huh. I, I, I i would ask us all to suspend judgment yes. and be slightly kinder to each other yes. um and and then i guess i would say to, to women who were in the position that i was in and are wondering whether they could do it i i i would urge them to be bold because <laughs> it's hard it's really hard of course being a single mother right um, but, you know, I, it's the best thing that I ever did. Fantastic. So where can people find out more about you, Emma? I have a, uh, online, on the, on a, I have a website, um, okay. uh, which I update about once every five years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, all, my, all my articles are on The Guardian, and uh, the, book is, the, the book is quite uh, visible at the moment. So just type my name into Google. And you'll also get a lot of uh, comments from angry men telling me that families need fathers. But apart from that... Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, brother. Come uh, on. It's 2018, people. Uh, it's, right, your book is exactly. called An Excellent Choice, Panic and Joy on My Solo Path to Motherhood. Congratulations. This is a wonderful book. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Brilliant. Thanks, Emma. Okay. Cheers, Janine. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock.